you're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Jim Sterling, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Welcome back to the Epic Marvel Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis Finley, and today we have a very special episode because we are going to be covering the 1991 miniseries Infinity Gauntlet. Now, of course, you know the world is abuzz with the new Avengers movie, Infinity War, that's coming out. Um, Actually, the day I'm posting this is the day that it's coming out, so many of you might have seen it already. I've gathered a bunch of my co-hosts together for a little roundtable discussion. Um, none of us have seen the movie at this point because we recorded this a few weeks ago, but we sure had fun talking about Infinity Gauntlet, and we are all excited to see how this movie draws from its original source and what kind of changes they make, um, if, if it even draws from this at all. We'll have to see. I just want to make a few notes here that uh, because we had, this was a conference call with six different people, there are different hums and buzzes and that kind of stuff that I couldn't really cut out just because of the the nature of the call. Please excuse any noise pollution you may hear there. And the other thing is that I asked for reader comments on Facebook, but I forgot to mention them uh, while we were recording. So I'm going to say some of them right now. Cedric said that this is the first comic he read as a young teenager. I still cherish it today and read it quite often. Now that is quite amazing if that's your first comic that you ever read. And we we do discuss whether this is a good entry point for people who have never read comics. So I hope you enjoy that part of the discussion. Got finished reading it the other day. And he's interested in how they're going to incorporate this into the film series. And yeah, we are too. But this miniseries was very good, he says, having a nice flow that kept my interest throughout. Charles says this is incredible how the book manages to change artists so well. Perez brings a welcome design intricacy to his panels that is missed when Ron Lim takes over. But darn it if I don't think Lim's Thanos is the best depiction of that character. I think Lim was very suited to the more action-packed issues he ended up with. I also wonder if Starlin changed his scripting style to accommodate his artists. I'm not sure how Lim would have handled all the first-person narration of the first few issues. Yeah, that's an interesting comment, too. We do talk about a little bit about the change in artist in the discussion. Um, but yeah, Starlin changing his scripting is probably probably accurate if, uh, if he was doing things the Marvel method, which would be having giving the artist the plot, letting the, the artist lay out the action and, and the pacing, and then he adding the dialogue after. Um, I bet you he actually did change his scripting style to suit Ron Lim's artwork. The last comment comes from Gabe, and he says, The first comic book series I read uh, that felt heavy with wonder and amazement. How were the Marvel heroes going to fight an all-powerful all and evil god? This was the taste that got me hooked. I've had the cover tattooed down my arm for over 10 years now. And that's really cool, Game. That's really awesome. Um, it is a daily reminder about corruption and power. 
Yeah, definitely. Corruption and power. We get into Thanos' reasoning behind all of that. Oh, and one more thing before we go. I was able to talk to Jim Starlin about this book and, and other things. And there are just two sound clips, I think, that I'm going to pull uh, and, and incorporate into this episode. But next week, I'll give you the full Starlin interview. And it's really cool. So be sure that you are around to check that out. Thanks for your comments, everybody. And I hope you enjoy this special episode about the Infinity Gauntlet. So let's go around the table and introduce ourselves. Let's start with you, Tommy. Um, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello. Hi, everyone. So I'm Tommy. I'm from French Guyana. I'm a co-host with you, Curtis, on the Epic Collection podcast, and I participate on the Avengers series podcasts. So my first experience with reading Infinity Gauntlet was... Uh, in, uh, if I remember when it was released in France, maybe Frank, if you, if you can help me with that. Uh, I think it was in 1993 or 92, I think, something like, like that. Can't and, remember. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah, but it was some time ago. I think I've read the first issue and uh, I didn't get the rest. And many years later, I got all the rest by a friend, uh, I think uh, about something like 10 years later, so I could read everything. And some later on, uh, it was re-released as a hardcover when Panini has the, the rights to Marvel in France. So yeah, that's when I could read it in its entirety. Nice. How about you, Jared? Um, Jared Abrahamson. I'm the co-host uh, for the Captain America, X-Men, X-Factor, and Black Panther. Well, you've got a heavy load there. Right. Whoa. <laughs> um, anyways, so my my first experience reading this Infinity Gauntlet series was uh, about two weeks ago. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, wow. Really? Yeah. I had never gotten to it. I, I've always heard it was really awesome and great, but never got around to it until just recently. So. Well, that's really go. cool. We'll be interested to hear your uh, your perspective coming at it from a, a present day perspective rather than like a childhood perspective like mine. <laughs> uh, right, and, right. and where are you in the world, Jared? I am in uh, Pueblo, Colorado. Nice. Right. Next up, Frank. Hi, Frank Martini speaking from France. So I read the Infinity Gauntlet actually when it was released back in 91 and I was lucky enough to, to get the, the original issues from my French comic shop in Marseille and uh, well back in the days and uh, when there was still a comic shop in Marseille and, and it was an incredible experience because you, you had to wait for month after month to get the next uh, the next one and whenever we got those books you know the, the schedule of the arrivals in France has always been hectic so it was quite a challenge to get all the issues and I share your pain because I, I know what it's like to get one issue and not get the other ones so <laughs> I, re I have suffered that quite a lot so and it was a great experience and I've read it many many times for for the last my god it's going to be 30 years soon wow, wow yeah, that's right. <laughs> so yeah I've read it a, a lot and a great experience and is that a John Romita drawing on your wall behind you yeah wow yeah it's 
Well, there's a small story there. Actually, I got uh, John Romita's email from someone from Tomorrow's Publishing, and I sent him an email because, uh, remember, I told you, uh, because I'm the co-host of the New Mutants uh, podcast, I forgot to mention that, that John Romita is the reason why I wanted to start reading, because I love Sp Spider-Man so much. And uh, I contacted him, and I sent him an email saying, okay, exactly that and he wrote me back with uh, uh, and attached to it was this small uh, drawing of Mary Jane, Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker which well made my day, my week, my month and more of that Wow, that's really cool uh, Okay, so next up Craig Gentlemen, uh, I guess everybody out there I'm Craig, I'm the co-host for Thor and Doctor Strange my first encounter with uh, Infinity Gauntlet would have been in a uh, old trade paperback when I was in high school. I found a collected edition in a dollar bin, so so I first gave it a look, and it was more just seeing some of my favorite heroes on the cover. I thought, ah, for a dollar, a whole story, let's give it a whirl. And um, I didn't even realize, I think, um, how big the story was when I picked it up. So, Wow, that's really cool. And my first memory of Infinity Gauntlet was buying, I think it was the th third issue that I stumbled across at a comic shop. And, um, and I, you know, it was really cool. All the heroes are together. Um, so I had to go and find out, find the other issues. And I don't think I actually bought them. I think it was Eric, my brother, who bought them. I just read his copies. So I only actually, I don't have the original issues myself. I have this trade paperback, but it is just a, a great miniseries. It was so, so interesting to see all of them together. Okay, I, let's pause here for a second and see if we can reintroduce Eric. Are you here now? Uh, yes. Hey, welcome to the show, Eric. Yeah. Hi. Tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what, what podcast you co-host with me, and when was your first time reading Infinity Gauntlet? Well, I host the Fantastic Four and the Moon Knight podcast with you, and my first time reading Infinity Gauntlet was, I believe, when I was probably uh, seven or eight or whenever it first came out, uh, my friend uh, John had it, and he let us read it like once, and then he's like, this is a huge thing, this is going to be worth money someday, and then he wouldn't let me read it again. <laughs> and then did you go out and, did you go out and buy them yourself? Because I think I remember reading your copies, or maybe it was John's Not copies. Not, I think it probably was John's copies. I didn't get them until quite a bit later. Oh, when okay. I started going to the um, like local comic conventions and picking them up for, for cheaper. Uh, yeah, these yeah. comics used to be in like dollar bins and stuff. And in good condition. They actually now, especially because of the movies, but um, they are worth more again. But there was sort of a period where they weren't worth that much, probably after you know Infinity Crusade and all this stuff that sort of saturated the market with Infinity stuff. Yeah, and then I picked up all of the uh, the tie-ins for you know twenty five cents or fifty cents. So we have uh, this is our whole team together, and what is really remarkable is that we are literally all over the world. So Craig and Eric and I we're all related, so we are all in Vancouver. Um, Jared's in Colorado in the United States. Frank is in France, and uh, Tommy is in French Guiana in South America. Yeah, it's in northern northern parts of uh, South, uh, South America. So it's really cool that we can get all all together at the same time and, and be a part of this. It's it's quite awesome. Well, whenever I come back, I 
by then, everybody realized when I came back to Marvel, it wasn't really to do Captain Marvel or Warlock or the Silver Surfer. It was to do another Thanos story. And so he got stuck into the Silver Surfer book right off the bat. And at that point, uh, the Permletter group was uh, had bought Marvel, and they wanted to squeeze every sense they could out of the company. And so anything that sold at all got a follow-up title. Like every had their own book at one point, at least a miniseries uh, during this time spell. And so when the Silver Surfers' uh, sales went up uh, after they started writing it, uh, they wanted something more, and so that's where the Thanos quest came in. We ended up doing a sidebar. The story was supposed to go right back into the Silver Surfer after that, but the advanced sales on the Thanos quest were so good that they said, we want something more, something big, and that's when I started kicking around. I mean, the Infinity Gauntlet was where he was heading, but it just got into a bigger, uh, for Thanos was heading, but it got into a bigger deal, and we started going around seeing what characters we could bring in. Okay, the, the way I usually like to start these conversations is, um, what do we need to know before jumping into this book? What are the, the key factors or the key elements, uh, story plot points that we need to know before going into here? Does anyone want to uh, share a little bit there? Obviously, it's interesting to have a bit of background on Thanos and know what, what has been happening in the in the 70s with Thanos and especially the the, the, the last important issues like Marvel 2-in-1 annual where he dies and the Avenger annual 7 where uh, he has this major fight with Warlord and, and so on and so forth, Warlock and so on and so forth. Uh, so that's, that's interesting to have the background and you can find these in the Avengers versus Thanos trade paperback which was released three years ago and which is a very good bargain uh, to, to understand more. But more closely to the story, there are two main things uh, which I have here in French by the way, very recent French collections covering the rebirth of Thanos because uh, long story short Thanos died in the early late 70s I would say Uh, then Jim Starlin left Marvel Comics and worked on Epic and then for DC Comics killing Jason Todd in the process and uh, he he came back to Marvel and he took over Silver Surfer then and when he did the first thing he did in his first issue was bring back Thanos and so there were a few issues with Thanos in it and then very quickly there was a two part mini series also written by Stalin and drawn by Ron Lim called Thanos Quest, which is the moment when Thanos gathers all the Infinity Gems. So that's, in my opinion, a very interesting starting point to get to the Infinity Gauntlet. And one thing which is missing, and I would conclude with that, in Silver Surfer 35, there is a bit more explanation of the reason why uh, Thanos wants to get rid of half of the universe population. Uh, and in the beginning, it's not the universe, it's just Earth. And in fact, its point of view and its reasons for that are really tied with a, a sort of Rajal Ghul approach, saying that the Earth is overcrowded and uh, humans are doing uh, bad things to, to, to the Earth. And that's the reason why it needs to be cleansed of half of the, of the humans. So that's the origin of why Thanos wants to get rid of half of the, of, of the universe in the Infinity Gauntlet. 
So, Frank, one of the, I think, an important distinction to make is that in those Silver Surfer issues, uh, Death is actually the one who brings Thanos back. And, yes. give, and she is the one who gives him the mission to, to wipe out all, like, half of the sentient life on the planet. It, it's not his decision. Uh, she wants no. him to do it. And out of love, he, he's, going to, he's going to do it. Yeah, just a bit of trivia, because at the time Infinity Gauntlet uh, was released in France, they reprinted the uh, Marvel Twin One Annual and Avengers Annual, the Final Threat two-parter. I don't know if you remember, Frank, the uh, strange special origin. At the time, yeah, they reprinted uh, the Final Threat, but yeah, it's only <laughs> for a uh, French comic reader will understand the reference. So yeah, as <laughs> usual, off-topic. Okay. Um, Jared or Craig, do you have anything else to add here? Like Frank said, I think the biggest one is Thanos Quest. People should definitely check that out because it explains how Thanos got his hands on all those infinite gems, and that's key. There's also a bunch of things people are going to notice that are, are different in this from what they're used to if they've been introduced to the Marvel Universe through the films. Thanos is, um, isn't the father of Nebula, for example. Yeah. There's some definitely some different things. You also need to be aware it's referenced a couple times, uh, but not not a key plot point, but just so people know that it's not Thor that they're used to in this book. It's uh, it's actually Thunderstrike or it's Eric Masterson as Thor still. He's not Thunderstrike yet, but it's not your regular uh, Asgardian god. So there's a few little tweaks and, and um, twerks in the in the book that... Peter Parker is married to Mary Jane at this point. Yeah, Thanos has a brother, uh, one of those characters that I'm sure Marvel was happily sort of pushing to the sidelines because Star Fox is becoming inconvenient in this day yeah. and age. I think another important thing to say is that in that Avengers annual number seven, um, Adam Warlock dies in that issue, a and and Thanos as well. But um, Adam Warlock dies, and he's been um, in Soul World. I guess his soul got sent to inside the Soul Gem, and uh, that's where he's been, along with Pip the Troll and a bunch of other people as well, for this whole time until Infinity Gauntlet number one. Here we see um, they get reincarnated into different bodies at the beginning that's important to know too and let's see is there anything else that we need to know if at the beginning of this one uh, of the first issue thanos already has the infinity gauntlet so thanos quest the two-part thanos quest story is him gathering the gems and he steals right. them all from the elders of the universe who who each have a gem and um, i would recommend listening or reading the silver surfer epic collection rebirth that uh gives a lot of backstory on the history of the Infinity Gems and the history of the Elders and why they have the Infinity Gems. And um, the story in Thanos Quest kind of stems from that. That's Steve Englehart's uh, stuff. And did you talk about the origins of Warlock, Adam Warlock? Uh, no, you can bring us up to speed there if you want. I'm a little rusty on it, uh, but the gist of it is that Adam Warlock is a a created being um, by a group of scientists who wanted to create the perfect person. He eventually sort of rebelled against them and struck out on his own to figure out who he is. Across a bunch of adventures, he ends up um, uh, sort of meeting a darker half of him, splitting off a darker half of him, which is called the Magus, uh, who is a purple version of him. With and the fro. With the fro, yeah. With the fro, yes. Uh, luckily, he doesn't have that anymore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Magus is involved in some of the early adventures with the uh, Soul Stones, or the, um, uh, as the they were known gems. at the time, Soul Gems. And, 
yeah, it, it, it's something that you don't really need to know necessarily for the Infinity Gauntlet, but if you want to continue on from Infinity Gauntlet into Infinity War, um, etc., then you may, might want to read up on him. Very true. But because he's not an actual person, um, this is sort of why he is special in Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, the Soul Gem has given him his soul, and sort of that's why he has this link to Soul World. One other thing I wanted to bring up that's a, that might be a little different is if you are reading current comics, if there's somebody who's coming in from the current uh, Infinity Countdown series, the gems are different now. Through Secret Wars, the universe was sort of altered fundamentally, and instead of Infinity Gems, we now have Infinity Stone. They're rock-like things. And colors have changed from the powers, and the funny thing is they actually admit this in the comics. They, like oh, this isn't how I remember them. <laughs> um, is a, in your comic shops right now, there is a very nice primer, um, which you can probably pick up. It's just like a little leaflet that explains what the gems are and um, who has them right now, and also what colors they are. Nice. It's also important to note that they're not the same colors as what's in the movies. Uh. <laughs> just because they want to confuse everybody. Okay, Jared, you haven't had a chance to speak yet. Is there anything else that you want to add to this uh, part of the conversation? Well, uh, I, I do have a, a question for everybody, I guess. Do you think you can read Infinity Gauntlet just by itself without reading anything before or after? Or, like, would that be a complete story in, in of itself? Or do you need to read The Rebirth of Thanos and, and all that other stuff? Yeah. I read it by itself originally. And it does work. This is back in the time where crossovers were meant to actually be one intended, uh, one separate story, and whoever wants to tie in can tie in, but it's not essential. Um, so from the tie-ins perspective, there's some neat stuff in there, particularly Silver Surfer um, and Doctor Strange that really helps out in terms of things like Thanos Quest and the Warlock series before that. It really does... Um, just as I was coming into the conversation here, it really does help explain the rationale behind what Thanos is doing, but it's not necessary because I think they cover it fairly well. Yeah, there are definitely a few uh, recaps at the beginning of this of issue one um, that that kind of give us that, that tell us everything we need to know. Uh, I would say if you are not really familiar with the Marvel universe at all, then you know you're introduced to pretty much every big character of the Marvel Universe at the time, um, both in the heroes and, and the cosmic universe as well. And uh, that can get a little confusing and overwhelming. You just kind of have to roll with it. But as far as the story is concerned, it's a pretty succinct six issues. I would say if you um, if you know the Marvel Universe then but don't know the background for this, you could read this just fine. If this is going to be the first uh, Marvel comic book you're ever picking up, you, you might find it a little confusing. It's it's something you need to. I don't think you need to, but you would be better off having at least some, some familiarity with the Marvel universe. That's a good point. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like watching Avengers as your first Marvel movie. Uh, it works. You don't need to know tons about the character because it's mostly just action. But if you've watched some of the other movies, then it does make more sense. Could you imagine someone going to see Avengers: Infinity War for the first? ever Marvel movie like that would be just a that would be a lot to, to take in <laughs> um, 
Okay, yeah. so we should note for those of you listening in the future that Infinity War, the movie, has not come out yet. Uh, we are just uh, a couple of weeks away from that, but we're recording this ahead of time. Woohoo! Let's jump right into the issues and get on with our discussion about the, about the, the book. Um, this, each of these issues is 40 pages. So these are all double size issues, which is really cool. Um, written by Jim Starlin, and the first three issues are drawn by George Perez, and uh, and beautiful work there. So in the first issue, we are introduced to the concept of um, the Infinity Gauntlet and and what Thanos is trying to accomplish, and um, and then we also, like I mentioned before, um, this is the the resurrection or reincarnation rather of Adam Warlock. Pip the Troll, Gamora, Drax, a bunch of people who have been killed previously. Um, and then we also see the devastation of of half of the population of Earth in this as well. People just vanish in the blink of an eye. And then uh, uh, at the very end of the issue is the big re- reveal that Adam Warlock is back. We see the famous um, cocoon in in the hotel room, so that's basically it. Um, we also we also find out that um, this stretches beyond Earth and goes. It's the entire universe, in fact. And uh, there's a scene with the the Skrulls saying that half of their planet po- population has disappeared too, and they feel like it's the Kree, and so they're going to attack. And this is going to become a major interstellar issue um, between different alien races. I think. Did I miss anything? Is there anything else important that you need to know here? Um, oh, Mephisto is there. Now, Mephisto um, shows up. He kind of befriends Thanos in the Silver Surfer issues. And he plays a very interesting role here because the whole time he manipulates Thanos. And we think Thanos is this very... He is very intelligent, but he's so full of himself, but also so clueless of what to do in regards to his love for death that he gets easily swayed by suggestions. And that's kind of... The devil's mo is is swaying people and being this you know the shoulder devil, and not just unsure of what to do with death, but like if you look at the first couple pages, you open up to Thanos has created a, the giant word God out of stone, and he, he's had all of the gems for a little while now, but he's just using them to do little parlor tricks and like not really sure exactly how he's going to use them and Mephisto is sort of the one that guides him through like you can actually do quite a bit with this and it's interesting because when he gathers all the gems during the Thanos quest all the time he says that you guys have been to the the previous owners of the gems he says you guys have been using them the wrong way you should have you should have been able to do much more about it and when he gets them actually he doesn't know really what to do with them he even forgets to get rid of half of the universe just does that at the end of the of the episode why did something he should have done initially and uh, so he's sort of lost it's it's a bit strange well, he uses the gems for petty vendettas. I mean, he's already brought his his uh, granddaughter in just for you know for taunting purposes. He's going to he's going to do more sort of petty, weird, small acts. You know, here he's been bragging about being this omnipotent being who has the power over the whole universe, and yet he's he's fixated on small, little, petty disputes and and getting in arguments with deaths. Um, servant and like it's it's really how he 
interesting how uh, you're, you're right, Frank. Like he he takes the gems and, and brags about how he knows how to use them better, and they've been wasted on those people who, who had such small ideas, and yet he then gets caught up in incredibly small, pointless little interactions. Oh, and one more thing, which uh, we forgot to mention: writer Jim Starling, artist George Perez, then Ron Lim, and incredible inks by Joseph Robinson all over the the series because he did he does a fantastic job. Yeah, I think um, Joseph Rubenstein definitely needs some praise here because uh, he is the one who I think um, keeps the the look and tone consistent through the change of artist uh, halfway through. Um, if it weren't for Joe Rubenstein, um, we'd have a very uh, two very distinct halves of the book, but he ties them together really, really well. Uh, this issue is also where we are introduced to Nebula. And it's not super clear, but basically Nebula is somebody who has come to uh, Thanos and said, I am your granddaughter. And he sort of just takes her at that, but then uses the gauntlet to twist her into this, um, like, rotting corpse, um, sort of as a tribute to death. And uh, so it's not the Nebula that we know from the movies, the young, good-looking one. Who has also been twisted by Thanos, just um, in a different way. Tommy, what are you going to say? Yeah, yeah. There's some bit of trivia uh, during this first issue. So you see the flashback with that and the two servants. So in Thanos Quest, Thanos blew up one of the servants. And in the first issue of Infinite Gauntlet, he blows up the second servant. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> and another thing, uh, when you see the flashback with Hulk, He's in a bar called Smiling Stands, and the barkeeper looks suspiciously a lot like Stanley. Oh, I noticed the name <laughs> of the, the bar, but I didn't notice the bartender. I'm going to have to look that up right now. It's it's uh, it's kind of funny how uh, you guys mentioned that uh, Gamora was just uh, recently brought back to life, uh, and then she's immediately dead again in half the universe. Right. Uh, I think that's a little funny. <laughs> Yeah, I was surprised that um, yeah. Starlin didn't want to use use that character in this miniseries, but made yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, in fact, it was um, it's it's very also interesting, uh, and we might talk about this a little ways down the road. Um, he gets to choose who disappears, but he most of these really powerful heroes are not the ones that disappear. So, uh, but we'll come back to that a little bit later. Why don't we move on to issue number two? Yeah. Who did I ask to talk about issue number two? Yeah, uh, that was me. Okay, go for it. Okay. Okay, so it's titled From Bad to Worse. And, you know, at the beginning here, it's just uh, more of the aftermath of people finding out half the universe has disappeared. Doctor Strange is contacted by a uh, mysterious glowing entity that says we must have a coalition to, to fight Thanos. Uh, and he actually, he and the entity, who you later find out is Adam Warlock, they meld their souls together and, and see their souls, which is kind of interesting. And then uh, Thanos takes uh, his brother, Eros, kidnaps him, and gets rid of his mouth. All right. And, and then you see this page of all the heroes that have disappeared. And it's like, you know, all the Fantastic Four are gone, and uh, all of Alpha Flight, it looks like. And 
I don't know, a bunch of people are just not there X-Factor. anymore. X Factor, yeah, except for Cyclops. Yeah, well, and who's silent most of the time? Who doesn't yeah. say a word actually in the whole in the whole miniseries? Just to uh, just to clarify for everyone, Eros is uh, is Star Fox. Yes. So yeah, he, yeah. he uses his real name repeatedly in this series, but that is the that is the character. Um, I don't know if you guys all noticed also, but they show on their list of missing heroes, Human Torch is missing, and then later he is flying next to a Quinjet uh, talking to Thor. Um, actually, <laughs> that is the original Human Torch, uh, John Hammond, in that in that From scene, West Coast I, I believe. Yeah, because he's on West Coast Avengers yeah. at the time. So that uh, makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. So Adam yeah. Warlock's uh, cocoon opens up, and he's you know completely reborn now, and. Oh, Galactus sees what what has happened, and it's like, oh, I have to get all the cosmic guys together so we can take on this guy. Thanos gets really mad and shoots a big power wave that hits the Earth and creates a whole bunch of chaos where, uh, like, Japan disappears and a big earthquake... Yeah, in California, falls into the sea. Um, a big tidal wave hits Atlantic City, and kind of funny, you know, me being American, <laughs> the the tower, you know, with ah. Trump on it is now Trump Tower. That's right, <laughs> underwater. <laughs> so I I enjoyed that. Yeah, honestly. yeah that was funny. <laughs> that yeah. that is a funny one. <laughs> So I I want to make a little note here that I, I got to talk to Jim Starlin recently, and he was telling me that uh, when this... Uh, uh, I'll play the clip here for when we make, make turn it into a, a podcast episode. And it was kind of interesting, because on the gauntlet, a number of the editors didn't want uh, their characters involved in it. Like Bob Harris, who was the X-Men editor, said, now you can't use any of our X-Men. Right, yeah, they're pretty absent from that book. Yeah, and uh, in the end, I think it was Tom DeFalco who was the editor at that time. He said, "No, you got a lot of news to, uh, to them here, at least it's a couple of them." So that's where Wolverine and Cyclops were in there, right? And they also did tie-ins with those books. And when they did the tie-ins, they sold much better while the Infinity Gauntlet was running. When we got back and started to do the Infinity War, which just was a sequel miniseries. Everybody and his brother wanted their characters to end into that book. <laughs> and I had to, I had to include characters I had no idea who they were. Like yeah. there was one called Sleepwalker. Right. I mean, I had no idea what he did. And so he he passes by in background in the scene at one point or another. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're going to get to the the backstory piece of this, uh, Starlin pitched it as like the equivalent of the Evolutionary War. Um. And Thanos' sort of last story, and this is what ended up, because as you said, lots of people didn't want to participate. So it didn't end up being, at the time, on the scale of the Evolutionary War, although I think it's fair to say that long-term it has had a greater impact than the Evolutionary War on the Marvel Universe. Yeah. There was a column on Comic Book Resources a few few years ago. Uh, You know, they have this series called Comic Book Questions Answered. And they were talking about the Infinity Gauntlet, and especially Bob Harris, who was then uh, X-Men editor, said, no way, you're not using our characters. We don't see the point. Because at the time, we have to remember that X-Men was the top-selling book in the, in the market. So why bother be 
on uh, on an Avengers crossover. Especially when they heard that all the characters are going to die and that kind of stuff. It's like, no, we don't want to really want to have to deal with that kind of thing. Uh, one of the coolest moments in the in this issue, I think, is um, Odin gathers all of the gods of all of the different um, <laughs> yeah. different things. There, it's a it's it's a really cool kind of roundtable here. And Craig, in our most recent episode of Thor, we were saying, well, why don't they use the Celtic characters very much? Well, here's here's the Celtic god. They get little random pop-ups in the Thor books, but they don't like they never had their own run, and I think nope. it's too bad. Yeah. Um, I do question whether you could get away today uh, with having the um, god of the Native Americans lumped yeah. in with the rest of that. Right. If that would be seen as, as sort of a little bit tone deaf in, uh, in modern days. I think it's worth mentioning that the, um, the way that the uh, gods work in Marvel is that there are all of the different god pantheons from the different uh, cultures, and they're all aware of each other, and they all sort of get along most of the time, mostly if they stay out of each other's way. And then um, sort of above them, there's, there are your cosmic entities like Eternity um, and the Living Tribunal, and then Living Tribunal often makes reference to the one or the one above all or some sort of being greater than all of that. There's a hierarchy in this yeah. of these cosmic yeah. beings. Uh, what I was going to say that the the meeting of the gods is a very cool moment, but it's ruined uh, quite later in the issue because when Thanos sends his shockwave, the rainbow bridge is broken and everyone's uh, the gods say, oh, no, the bridge is broken. We're, we're stuck here. We can do nothing. Oh, no. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't really have huge ramifications. The other thing I want to bring up here that also doesn't really have huge ramifications is the inclusion of Quasar. We see, we see him in this issue. Um, and I feel like the only reason why Quasar is important is because he's the replacement for, of Captain Marvel at the time. And Captain Marvel was a really big character for Jim Starlin back in the in the 70s. So um, he he appears here, and he ends up really kind of doing nothing, nothing at all. He has no real point in this mini series at all. Uh, Quasar, he was introduced uh, quite recently at the time, I think, at the end of the 80s, because the issues were uh, the limited series was published in the beginning of the 90s, I think 91, something like that. So he was a quite recent character. Uh, the Minotaur that appears with Doctor Strange is never named in the in the limited series, but he was introduced, uh, I think, recently in the Doctor Strange series at the time. So they never say his name in the Infinity Gauntlet, but it's Hintra, I think his name. I think he, uh, he was the host for uh, Doctor Strange Spirit. For, I don't, don't know really what happened at the time in the Doctor Strange series. Volume 2, it was uh, Sorcerer Supreme. It, it's when uh, Butch Keys was drawing the book, if I remember well. Well, yes, yes, it's, uh, it's at the time, yeah. And uh, uh, you see the X-Men appear recently uh, when they try to contact everybody uh, at the end of the issue. So you see the, there is no reply from the X-Men because I think at the time they were in Australia. 
So they had that spell from Nova and uh, they couldn't be detected by electronic devices. Right. So that's why there's no reply from the X-Men. Oh, good comment there. I, but, yeah. yeah. Nice. Oh, I forgot to mention at the beginning, yeah. I was amused because there's all of this ongoing internet chatter about Hawkeye has disappeared from all the posters for Avengers, Avengers Infinity War. But he disappears from this book <laughs> right away at the beginning. <laughs> oh, so maybe that's why he's yeah. Maybe if the the movie follows the the comic, Hawkeye is one of the casualties when Thanos w wipes off half of the planet. Yeah, I mean the movie can't follow this too closely, but yeah, I just I found that amusing that everyone's all up in arms because he's disappeared from all the promotional material, but he disappears from the story right away also. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I wanted to point out that um, while Quasar's role in this issue isn't very big his role in the overall story does have a point um, he's then we can talk about this a little later but he's the one that tries to use the infinity gauntlet to um, to destroy um, Thanos and his little floating island um, because he's the only one that can shield the blast from the rest of the universe at the same time he also has teleporting powers which are used occasionally but but that's not in this miniseries, right? Yeah. Um, there's also more of Quasar in the... Um, uh, oh, no, you know what? I'm thinking of Infinity War. That's what it is. Ah, uh, okay. These all, sort of, uh, these all sort of blend together a little bit. Yeah, yeah. too much Infinity. Right. Especially, <laughs> like, three years in a row. <laughs> uh, funny thing regarding the X-Men, though. Uh, at the time, because that's the, the main interest of having the... The original floppies because you can see the old ads yeah. from the early 90s and that's uh, the, the miniseries takes place almost at the, at the very time when they launched the new X-Men series by Jim Lee so at the mm -hmm. time uh, Cyclops was no longer uh, in X-Factor he had just rejoined the X-Men so that means that even editorially speaking Infinity Gauntlet takes place even though it's published at the same time it takes place before uh, Cyclops rejoins the X-Men and the, the gold and blue teams are, are relaunched yeah alright yeah why don't we move on to issue number three we'll keep on going around here who has issue number three that's me the title of issue three is Preparations for War which is a very good uh, description of what happens here. I find it interesting the inclusion of uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. because they don't really do anything, they just talk about what's going on a lot. Uh, data. You get a little bit more of that here. Tells you. But you see um, uh, Silver Surfer and Doctor Strange and Adam Warlock, they um, fly around to different places to gather the heroes, they open portals to bring all the heroes together and explain what's going on. Um, they come up with some plan for action. Adam Warlock and Silver Surfer go off to meet with the astral deities of the universe, which are the personifications of emotions and other uh, powerful cosmic beings. Um, Uatu the Watcher is there, etc. They try to appeal to uh, Living Tribunal to try and stop this, and he goes basically like, um, while I can, I'm not going to interfere. And then we end off with basically everybody storming Thanos' uh, palace with the little magical caveat that they're allowed to breathe in space for 60 minutes. 
Okay, so I found the Living Tribunal's um, reason for not interfering quite interesting. Um, natural selection is what he says, and because Thanos did all of the work to get himself to the point where he was, he deserves to have this chance, I guess, to wipe out half of the universe? The, the gems are something that occurred naturally in the universe, so anybody could just go and get them. And so by proving that he's gotten all of them, he has defined himself as the fittest. And it's survival of the fittest. Which is kind of a, it's kind of cheap because he did not naturally come back to life. Death brought him back to life. So that's kind of a, like he shouldn't be there in the first place. If anyone Living Tribunal should deal with, it's probably death. Um, this also features another one of Thanos's many side projects. Like, again, he's not using Infinity Gym on a large scale because he is all right. bugged that death isn't now excited to stand with him because he senses there's a coming attack and he's convinced she should love him and there's still no affection. So he creates Paraxia and he's all taunting death. Well, I don't need you. I can, I can get my affection from anywhere. But again, that's a, a small trivial piece when he should be reshaping the universe and so here he is again having taunted all of these other beings from misusing the gems and now that he's got them all his concern is finding somebody who can hug him <laughs> well in order to make death jealous like he's so so petty well but i mean he's brought his brother back and took away his brother's mouth he made his father disappear this i mean really if anything this is just thanos is having a temper tantrum on a cosmic scale yeah, <laughs> I I love the 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 little panels where uh, you know Thanos is and uh, Taraxia are, are hugging each other, and then Death is just walking away, and it's you know she's getting smaller and smaller, and then Thanos's face is getting bigger and bigger, and it's like, oh, this isn't having the effect that I wanted it to. I think is what Thanos is thinking. Like, well, <laughs> what do I do now? But yeah, anyway, that, that's just a really cool little section I, I really like the the small moments in this, in this issue the the moment when we we see black widow saving people in, in that building then we have moon knight as well out of the blue <laughs> and finally the fantastic moment on the roof between the hulk and wolverine which is in my opinion the thing that steals the complete issue because it's it's a fantastic moment yeah, just about Moon Knight, it's, it made me smile because you have one full page with many panels dedicated to him. So he sees the city on fire, he gets angry, and that's all. You don't see him yeah. for the rest of the limited series. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Maybe we can talk about a bit of trivia. Yeah, I think it's personal opinion of why the characters appear here, uh, who were the chosen ones. I think, uh, of course, Spider-Man, he's always in the cosmic adventures, even when he's a lot uh, underpowered in regards to the other heroes. I think even in Infinity Abyss, he, he's a guest star in Infinity Abyss and where he, he's not supposed to be. So anyway, at the time, uh, Spider-Man was a uh, highly say, uh, selling book because of Todd, Marfell, Todd McFarlane's art. Uh, of course, uh, Iron Man, he was at the time, it was, I think, during John Byrne's run, I think. And uh, Wolverine, of, of course, he's the most famous X-Men. Uh, Drax and Fire Lord, because they, they were the, um, the, the cosmic characters that appeared during the time. Dra Drax is actually created to destroy Thanos. He was created by mm -hmm. Mentor, by Thanos' dad, 
in order to yep. destroy. So uh, it makes yeah, sense yeah, that right, he's right. here in this book. Although why Thanos wouldn't make him disappear is beyond me. I just I want to know why Movie Directs doesn't wear this awesome outfit. Yeah, right. <laughs> no capes yeah. in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. yeah, about Nova, I think it's because the the New Warriors ha- had quite a success at the time. Namor, I think it's because the John Byrne uh, run was quite successful also at the time. Uh, why Cloak was chosen, I don't know. <laughs> well, he would have been a pretty new character Cyclops. at the time, right? Yeah. Cloak would have been pr- quite brand new. Was, uh, oh, no, I guess he was created in the 80s, wasn't he? In the early 80s? Yeah. Yeah, by He was available because he wasn't it had every one of the books that declined to participate. Yeah, I guess so. Or could it be one of the uh, 10 year we need to use this character licensing things? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Maybe they, it may be they, they may be having the, they may have had the, their limited issues around that time or maybe their ongoing series the one drawn by Rick Leonardi then the mi- the it mutant misadventures yeah that's true yeah yeah and just to finish Cyclops I think because he's also along with Wolverine one of the most famous X Men and Hulk because of course of the mighty run uh, by Peter David's. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, don't, we don't see him later. Uh, uh, Magneto hasn't, wasn't on the list of the disappeared heroes, but he doesn't appear on this limited series. I think because at the time he uh, he was in the Savage Land, I think, or he would appear later. Because I don't know. Uh, what I'm trying to say is at the time he wasn't supposedly dead, because at uh, the end of Jim Lee and Chris Claremont's run, he, he supposedly dies just to appear later during Fatal Attractions. But at the time, he was uh, still alive, but we, he went a bit underground in the Savage Land. Well, they don't really mention any villains except Doom or uh, Bachelet with the X-Universe after sort of saying we can't get a hold of X-Factor and then having Wolverine and Cyclops show up. So. Yeah, that's true. Cloak and Dagger had a mini series from October 1990 to August 1991. Oh, that would be this time then. Yep. Yep. Uh, so in this issue, also at the very end, um, the Adam Warlock and Silver Surfer zoom off to a specific point of space where they can have a good a good seat to watch the action and wait for the right moment to strike. Um, this is a um, a plot device so that um, the, the Silver Surfer issues can tie in uh, without having any ramifications on what's happening in the actual miniseries because all of the stuff that happens in the Silver Surfer tie-ins happens um, kind of in Silver Surfer's mind and he just kind of sits there uh, out in space watching while everybody else is getting ready to fight. Oh, and Doctor Strange stays behind uh, so that he can watch the action from home and that also is because he his tie-ins also have um, they they take him off in a different direction, so that he, what the stuff that happens in his tie-ins don't directly affect what's happening in the main series as well. And those are, I think, are those the only two books that get major tie-ins for Infinity Gauntlet, or was um, was there something else? Was, yeah, can't remember. Yeah, I think in a question of hugely related tie-ins, yeah, I think it's the, one of the, the two series. Because there were other series that were tied in, but 
just one issue, I think, of uh, Spider-Man at the time, just uh, at the end of uh, Todd McFarlane's run as writer and artist. And I think uh, also Peter David's Hulk, uh, Incredible Hulk, has the tie-in. I think it was about two or three issues. Yeah, Hulk has a two or three, but yeah, the main ones are Silver Surfer and Doctor Strange. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Sleepwalker gets a tie-in. Oh, wow. Because I don't even see him in the crowds here. That's crazy. Okay, why don't we keep on going uh, to issue four? That's uh, that's me. Take it away, Frank. If I remember, yeah. Uh, so the title of this issue is unreadable, uh, but I think <laughs> from, you could guess that it's cosmic battle at, on the edge of the universe, and it's the moment when uh, George Perez steps down as artist on the book and uh, Ron Lim takes over. Uh, what is interesting is that I've been reading a few interviews from George Perez and uh, he said that the reason why he dropped the book, because he dropped the book, he, he left. It was not any, uh, there is a re reason behind that, is that first of all, when he, he took, when he got the assignment, it was said that it would be the last Thanos story. And in the middle of the, the, the of the produ production of the of the series, he found out that there would be sequels uh, afterwards, and uh, and he was not into it, and uh, and he also he was not really a fan of Jim Starlin's story, and um, that's uh, something that he said. Basically, I got bored of uh, drawing Talking Heads and, and having uh, forty pages, six issues of forty pages, and. Uh, he thought it was too long, and uh, that's the reason why he said, "Well, I, I, I got lazy. Uh, I, I lost a, a lot of time, and uh, and I ended up saying to editor Tom DeFalco, okay, well, let give the book to someone else because in the first place it should be Rondim because he has been drawing all the issues that led to this major miniseries. So that's the reason why Rondim finishes the book. So there are nice interviews of." in the books of Tomorrow's Publishing and uh, another one called uh, George Perez, Storyteller. And both have a great moment explaining why he, he dropped and uh, he dropped the book. You know, so no, he, he came onto this book because he was mad at DC. He'd been on Wonder Woman and he didn't like the DC crossover War of the Gods. Yeah. And um, <laughs> he didn't like the way they were treating Wonder Woman over at DC. So this was his chance to sort of him to Marvel, uh, but he was contractually obligated also to finish his work for War of the Gods. So I think at this time he was for, he was bored with this and also having to fulfill a contract he didn't like over at DC. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, and it was his first work for Marvel in a decade because he, yeah. it was really his, his comeback to to Marvel Comics. And uh, when he dropped uh, Infinity Gauntlet, he went on to. Uh, uh, the Hulk miniseries he did with uh, Peter David, and then to the fantastic and uh, sex and violence miniseries he did, for, he did with Peter David for for Epic as well. Really nice stuff. But let's talk about the story, uh, <laughs> which, which is basically a huge brawl between the heroes and Thanos, because that's yep. what this issue is all about. Like it's been building for three issues, and now they get together and they fight. And, uh, well, let's say that the, the heroes do not have the upper hand here and that Thanos really, really, really uh, get rid of them 
very, very easily, even though they attack. Uh, and each each page of the issue is really uh, the, the combination of heroes trying to to attack and defeat Thanos. And there's a nice moment between uh, Drax and the Hulk punching Thanos at the very same time. And uh, so there are very comic booky moments, I think, in this issue. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, well, Thanos kills them all. And and at the end of the issue, we see that the, the plot with Nebula, the subplot with Nebula is getting closer and closer to its conclusion that would take place in issue five. And we also have this very nice Captain America moment, when, which is in the top 10 Captain America moments, I think, when he, he tries to, uh, to resist to Thanos' attack, and uh, even though he has no chance, and he knows he has no chance, but he still attacks Thanos, while the Silver Surfer attacks and comes from a very uh, far away distance and tries to, to steal the, the Infigantlet, but fails to, to do so. And at the end of the issue, the major league appears as Galactus, and most of the uh, of the higher levels are here to try and uh, and talk some sense into Thanos or defeat him. This was a mind blowing issue when I was reading this when I was ten years old. I was just kind of getting into comics at the time. Nineteen eighty nine, I think, is when I was really getting into the comics, and and this is a couple years later. But to see just the level of destruction also the creativity in, in the violence it was just uh it was quite outstanding and we finally get to see thanos being creative with the with the gauntlet instead of just punching everybody to death everybody has their own unique uh death yeah psycho is very very nice for instance yeah and he delivers a lot of uh, of one-liners in this issue <laughs> i think there's an irony though that George Perez wanted to leave the book because he was bored of drawing talking heads. And his last page, I think, is like page eight or nine, right as the action wraps up, and he gives that over to Robin. Kind of drawing conversation, yeah. yep. some fighting. And well, now that we've got him off the book, we can start with the real action. <laughs> also, I love the like the panel at the beginning is Thor, Firelord, and Iron Man charging through space, and then Namor, who looks like he's just really constipated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you get the three like big heroes, like Firelord shooting his fire beam, and Iron Man's blasting his pulsers, and Thor throws a hammer, and Namor just looks like he's diving off a diving board. <laughs> <laughs> Most pointless attack. Because if the other three strike, what is Namor going to do in the end? Like, also, he is about as far away from water as he could possibly get, so he really <laughs> shouldn't have any power at all. <laughs> and, and he's not the strongest even if there were water so I don't know why he's the one that's doing that um, and you see Quasar flying around but he's not shooting but I think I think they hold back after all of the heroes except Captain America have fallen Quasar steps in and mentions that he has his quantum bands and then Thanos dismisses that as nothing and I think that was a way of trying to establish just how powerful Thanos has become because he just in a blink makes the quantum bands disappear and they've previously the Marvel Universe been established as very powerful weapons. Captain Marvel was the one who killed Thanos in the first place, wasn't it? Oh, no, no, sorry, it was Adam Warlock. Let me think. Hmm. Let me see here. Yeah. Adam Warlock uses the soul stone to turn him into stone. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, it was at the end of uh, Final Trade, Avengers Final Trade. Yeah, but I think it's 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 also called that um like Thanos and Captain Marvel like they that they, that was the original rivalry there. Um, Thanos first really appeared in the pages of Captain Marvel as Captain Marvel's main villain during Jim Starlin's run there, and so to have Quasar, the person who has Captain Marvel's power, come along and be completely ineffective against Thanos was was kind of just a um, an example of Thanos's power you're right I want to point out that it's also ridiculous that Namor can keep up with a repulsor blast and a fire blast and Thor's hammer also considering that you also have Nova present but he's not the one that's flying at him and there were some people that could have been doing it but I mean yeah, I mean, uh-huh. Namor actually gets a shocking amount of play in the book. Like, if you consider the list of characters here and the amount of people in the book, Namor has that scene. He, uh, he shows up again a few pages later to get thrown into a wall, and then again he has like the weird standing mold on his chest for She Hulk. Thanos is surprisingly occupied by Namor. <laughs> Yeah, one thing that is very important and very subtle in this issue is because uh, at first Thanos was going to butcher everyone, but uh, Mephisto goes through Thanos and, and tells him, "Why don't you make the fight last a little longer so you can please Mistress Death?" And even Hero says that uh, Mephisto, in doing that, he he, he he actually saved the hero, the other heroes' lives. Because the fight wouldn't last one second if Mephisto didn't do that. Yeah, I think that this is where we really start to see Mephisto's long game. And if, if they were to remake this series now, I think that they would put Loki in this position. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but the whole... They, they might about... be putting Loki in that position. Oh yeah, maybe. There's a movie coming out. <laughs> yeah, the, but the whole point of Mephisto in this, um, in this entire story is... I think he realizes that if uh, Thanos is able to control everything and just destroy everything, then he could be next, and obviously he doesn't want that. So he doesn't want Thanos to win. Uh, So he sort of inserts himself as this role of an advisor so that he can guide him towards a chance of of failure. Or obtaining the glove himself. Well, or that. One of the two. Yeah. Another thing I'm uh, better developed in the Incredible Hulk tie-ins is because at uh, one point in this battle, uh, Thanos makes uh, Hulk gets really tiny, and Peter David uses that in its tie-ins from Infinity Gauntlet. Because uh, uh, during the Peter David run, when uh, Hulk gets thrown back to Earth and he's tiny, he has a little adventure being the, the consciousness of Abomination. That's clever. Also, when Wolverine attacks Thanos, and then Thanos changes his uh, adamantium bone to this uh, spongy rubber, yeah, <laughs> it, it, that just sort of reminded me of when, uh, you know, it would have been a couple years later when Magneto takes out, rips out his yep. adamantium. Good point, good point. Uh, also, the scene when Wolverine attacks Thanos, I think one or two issues earlier, uh, Adam Warlock says when the time will come, Wolverine or Hulk would uh, right. finish the job. And it's acknowledged in the in the page where Wolverine leaps at Thanos. 
this thing. Oh, of all the combatants, he will be one of the last I thought capable of de delivering the death blow. Um, at the time, Iron Man wasn't that popular of a character, and I think if they were to remake the series now, he would get a much bigger role, especially with the movies and such. But in this one, he's actually taken out by Taraxia. Um, right after yeah. he attacks Thanos, she she just kind of tackles him, and then you see another two pages later, she's like got him on the <laughs> ground trying to rip yeah. his helmet off, and you see his head kind of bouncing. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, 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 he gets, the comment to this point is a jerk. Right. He's yeah. a jerk. And he had the mullet. Yeah, that's true. Magnum PI. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so did I, but. <laughs> <laughs> Taraxi is also the one that takes out Spider-Man, and you don't really see it that much, but in the background... Oh yeah, when uh, Thor is being turned to glass. Yeah, when Thor's being turned to glass, you just see her with a rock, and she's bashing his head in. Yeah, it's all bloody. Oh, yeah, Holy cow. Like blood yeah. The rock. yeah, and so you see yeah, her yeah. holding the rock, and it's got blood on it. But uh, oh, wow. just in the background, before that, <laughs> you're hit it, hitting him. Okay, let's keep on motoring through. Let's move on to the next issue here. Number five. Who's got this one? It's me. Okay, Tommy, take it away. All right, so issue number five, it's called Astral Conflagration. So at the end of issue, uh, Thanos says, all right, let's, let's play it real this time. So uh, the fight is cranked up to 11. So at the end of issue four, you see all of the, the, the big league joining in the fight. So uh, at the uh, beginning of issue five, you see the Watcher speaking. So when you see the Watcher uh, appearing on uh, uh, on a huge event like that, it's that it's got to be important, and that we will have a, a what if issue later on. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, the. Uh, the, the fight begins, so it's an all or, or, or nothing fight. So every every deity throws and throws a blast at Thanos, and you see that Eros is really afraid of what's coming on. So uh, even Mephisto tells him that it's gonna be a quick death; he's not gonna feel anything. But later on, he actually survives because that spared him and Nebula, and of course uh, Mephisto. So uh, after the huge blast, and you see also, I don't know if it's there, I think it's a, some page later, uh, the Celestials are throwing, they are literally literally throwing planets at Thanos. So everyone who was living in the planet are dead instantly. The other half of them. Uh, yeah. And uh, so you feeling the, the blast, so uh, Silver Surfer takes Adam Warlock far because there was a black hole approaching. And you see the effects of this fight of, uh, on Earth because the Earth was drifting away from the sun. So there was going to be a ice, uh, another ice age on Earth. And you see, because the ripple uh, of the galaxy is approaching Earth, the annihilator and his forces from the negative zone are entering Earth. And I think it's a reference in the Incredible Hulk tie-in also. So going later on, there, there's a fight, you see, Thanos doing his best uh, as one impression as an actor when he gets torn between Mistress, uh, let me see, uh, Mistress Love and, and Sire Hate. And also we have a turning point because Mephisto turns on Thanos and tries to pick up the, the gauntlet for himself. 
And when everything seems lost for Mephisto, death saves him because death says that Sotanos also says it's enough and he imprisons everybody. Then you see Eternity joins the fight and Thanos leaps at him and gets rid of him. So now Thanos has become the uh, Eternity and he, has, he doesn't have control on his body. And that's where we have the turning point of the series. And Nebula sees the opportunity and takes the gauntlet for herself. And now she is the one who has the power. So that's when everything ends. She banishes Thanos and Nebula to other space. And you see uh, Thanos thinking, damn it, why didn't I have, uh, have I made uh, Teraxia able to breathe on space? Now Teraxia he, he drifts on space and dies. Then uh, you see at the end, Adam Warlock asks uh, Doctor Strange to spare Thanos and bring him. So he brings a bunch of heroes. He brings in Drax, Fire Lord, Doctor Doom, Hulk, Thor. And so Nebula senses that the power she's wielding is too much for her. Sensing uh, that Nebula has uh, some doubt about the power she's wielding, Adam Warlock uses that to send the other heroes to get the gauntlet back from her. So at the end, she imprisons everybody on the on a block of rock, and that's when the issue ends. When you see uh, Doctor Strange, Thanos, uh, Adam Warlock, and Silver Surfer ready to confront. This, uh, if you if you ever want to teach like high school English, you can use the issue three in this issue for lesson on foreshadowing. It's way back in issue three. It's Vision who explains to She-Hulk that. They've only, the Avengers have only ever defeated Thanos because Thanos screws up and, you know, allows himself to be defeated. And sure enough, Thanos screws up and allows himself to be defeated. So it goes exactly as Vision uh, predicted two issues previously. So if you ever, uh, if you ever want to just take a quick look at, uh, a quick shot at, at teaching literary devices, there's a great one right there, uh, about a hundred pages apart. And um, Adam Warlock, uh, takes the time to explain to Thanos that this is the case um, because they shared the soul gem Adam Warlock has um, insight into Thanos that um, that nobody else has and says hey there's three times where you've had basically unlimited power you could have you know taken over the universe or done whatever you want and all three times you have subconsciously caused or brought about your own downfall yeah, this makes Thanos a very, very interesting character because we don't we don't know exactly what his motivations are, but he seems to be like he's not he's not satisfied with having all the power, but he strives for that so often. Um, and like, what? Why does he sabotage himself um, constantly? Because he does do that, and I think I haven't read anything past Infinity Crusade, but. Um, he in these next two miniseries, he actually comes on board as sort of a good guy to help to help everybody out. Uh, even in the end of uh, of issue five, I mean, he is already back into a sort of different uh, approach, and he becomes he joins the league of the the the, the ones who are attacking him uh, to, uh, a bit earlier. So that's quite the change of a character, and uh, and honestly, the thing with eternity uh, and how he gets. He, he loses the gauntlet. It's a pretty stupid move when you think of it, but it all makes sense when it, when it comes to Thanos, and that's the way he is. 
and that's the mistakes he's making. Um, I'd like to point out that in um, Thanos has become a god like like he does in this issue um, before in Captain Marvel number thirty two. He yeah, uh, yeah. he he does that. Uh, that's one of the times before that he he mentions having absolute power. So he's done this move before, but um, stupidly he leaves his body just lying there, ripe for the picking. Was that the cosmic cube? Yes, yeah. yes, it was. Yeah. Yep. And he he already had the six gems, and and he built a huge weapon out of it, and uh, so he had two major opportunities before, and uh, and he messed up the the choice before. Yep. So this was just a, an amazing yeah. issue um, with uh, all of the entities kind of he's him taking them all out one at a time and the thing that um starlin used to do in um it when he was on warlock and captain marvel is he was really kind of very creative with his with a lot of his uh panel layouts and that kind of stuff doing some really cool cool things um and so i feel like ron Lim is trying to do some of that stuff in his in his artwork and his layouts here trying to be creative and come up with new ways to express just the sheer enormity of what's going on um, but I actually think that Starlin's better. Ronlin stated he was intimidated taking over for Perez because he looked up to Perez. Yeah, yeah, um, I can understand that. And and Perez, to show that there was no hard feelings and he appreciated Ronlin, does ink the covers for Ronlin. It's not uh, Robinstein who, who inks the covers, it's George Perez who inks Ronlin's art. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, just a really funny thing. So that's what I said I was going to save it for later because there are two times in this issue that you see that Thanos has the talent as an actor because the first when he is divided by um, uh, Mistress Love and Sir Hate, he, he starts doubting himself. So he says, what am I doing? I'm going to kill them. Yeah, it's a madness. And the second time at the end when Adam Warlock confronts him with his failures, yeah, he he at first he he said no, it was a mistake, and then oh, she starts he starts crying and okay, okay, I'll add you. <laughs> okay, why don't we bring this home? The sixth issue, Craig, is this one yours? This is yeah. So this is uh, Nebula's got the gauntlet now, and if we thought Thanos was uh, it was quick to use it, then imagine his his granddaughter. Uh, it is aptly titled the Final Confrontation, um, and it starts off with. Uh, one of those conversations that Perez didn't want to draw. Um, and it's Nebula and Thanos and Doctor Strange and Silver Surfer with Thanos. I don't know how he thinks he can get away with threatening her to give him back the gauntlet at this point, because she has it. But uh, the key moment or the key thing there is at the beginning, she does not perceive Adam Warlock. So he is he is imperceptible to her, and, and nobody realizes this initially. It's sort of Silver Surfer is confused and starting to piece it together. Thanos, when he pieces together, almost gives it away because he starts grinning. But that's sort of that key piece. Um, the other thing here that's interesting is Nebula undoes everything. Like Nebula is actually the solution. I don't know if she meant to be doing something good, but she reverses everything Thanos did, and she sort of serves as this do sex knocking out at the end. But just we're fixed, we're good, and has restored the universe and for everything. And that's her first mistake because she reverts everything back to how it was before. Uh, hand, which means she reverts herself back into that <laughs> form. So much like Thanos accidentally made himself into a uh, into a bodiless uh, entity, she made herself into a decaying body. But uh, Thanos can't help but gesticulate rather than act, and so she has time to realize her mistake and correct it. Um, 
And so the issue sort of continues. The cosmic beings still don't like the fact that someone out there is as powerful as them, and they return to attack her. Um, but she is not as well prepared as Thanos for this fight. Initially, they keep her off balance, and that is where where Adam Warlock realizes he has an opportunity to strike and, and takes another shot at getting the gauntlet off of Nebula by going inside the soldier and then sort of manipulating things inside where he, he said he has more, more power. And Nebula um, doesn't realize, of course, that all this is going on. And in the end, uh, she loses the, the gauntlet. And before Thanos can get his hands on it, our heroes return thanks to Doctor Strange. Well, not all of our heroes, Cyclops doesn't seem to come back with any of his is Namor, so I'm a little worried about this team for the lack of swimming. Um, they're at risk of drowning. Sure. Uh, but some of the bigger guns, Drax in his fancy purple suit, uh, Hulk, uh, Thor, and Star Fox, they all show up and pummel Thanos before he can get his hands back on the gauntlet that Nebula has dropped. And the, the issue concludes with Adam Warlock having the gauntlet and convincing everyone that the best person to have infinite power is Adam Warlock. Um, and I'm not, I'm not quite sure if they should agree to the fact that one person has infinite power, but they they decide, yeah, that makes sense. And then it ends with a really interesting sort of interlude where Warlock goes and finds Thanos living as a farmer on a planet, and Thanos seems quite pleased with his new simple life. Um, he's, he's not in his usual armor. He's got no grand plans. He's... It ends, the whole story concludes with Thanos retiring, it sort of seems, which is too bad he got dragged out of retirement for more crazy schemes and intergalactic failures. But uh, this story at least concludes with a uh, Thanos happily sitting on a porch, uh, staring at a wheat field. So, yeah. A very, a very different Thanos at the end. That's a great page, by the way. Yeah, it was. It's a, I, I feel like it's a satisfying ending. I had no problems with it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, and I think if it had been as they had intended, the last Thanos story, it wouldn't have been a bad way to end this character's decades-long arc through the Marvel Universe. Yeah, a little bit of redemption yeah. at the end there. Yep. And I love the fact that it's a quiet ending compared to what you see most of the time uh, when you see a big crossover like this. And it's very quiet and everything is back to normal. Uh, but obviously it's not. Yeah, well, and it, it ends with just Jim Starlin's characters. Um, it's it's only, yeah. yeah, the four people here, um, or I guess Warlock isn't, it's Roy Thomas's character, but he had such an impact on, on Warlock that it ends with Warlock, Gamora, and Pip, and Thanos. So it's like, it. these are the characters that he's been building for three decades, uh, or two decades, rather, sorry, and and this is kind of where it all comes to, is the conclusion. So um, after this happens, Starlin starts up the Infinity Watch series and splits the gems amongst uh, his, his buddies. So he gets one, uh, Drax gets one, Pip gets one, Gamora gets one, Moondragon gets one, and the sixth one goes to a mystery person that doesn't get revealed for uh, quite some time. It's one of the, the mysteries of the 90s, of the Marvel 90s. But we don't need to get into that right now. Maybe we'll save that for a, yeah. a different a different episode. Just a thing is, before uh, Thanos appears uh, as a farmer, he decides to go to go out quite an old-fashioned villain. He says, yeah, I have a bomb. I'm going to detonate everything. So everybody get away from me. 
So you, at this time, you you think it's gonna be the end of him until you see the the final pages. So yeah, he, he uh, quite some time just before the end, he he still has the the old-fashioned villain style. And, and I'm wondering if his use of his costume as a as a scarecrow is the what Peter David called the mandatory Wizard of Oz reference. Ah, <laughs> not so. <laughs> because. I remember that, P that Peter David was using that line uh, regularly, so I'm wondering if that's not something like that. Like yeah, okay, it. yeah, maybe. Uh, by the way, speaking of costume, I didn't mention it, but at this time, the 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 Hulk was using this costume because it was the Pantheon costume at the time. Yeah. He he joined the Pantheon, and even I haven't read it yet. I've just seen some pages, but when he get, first gets this costume for the from the Pantheon. Uh, he appears and says it's a bit tiny on him, but he didn't find the stock of uh, green pants. If they would, people would prefer it. I know green purple pants. Purple pants. Sorry. When Hulk is approached to join this group, he actually declines because he would be working alongside the Avengers, who had kicked him out uh, because he was like the rampaging Hulk. And then when he became the smart Hulk the intelligent Hulk, he joined the Pantheon instead of going back to the Avengers. And so it's here that Iron Man and Captain America go, well, actually, now that you're not, you know, a threat and going to destroy everything, you actually are welcome back to the Avengers. And that's what, um, uh, that's the reason he actually joins. Why he joins this group? Why he joins this group, yes. Yeah. But he wouldn't join the Avengers again for... No. Yeah. Um, any other comments about this issue here? Yeah. I, I think that's interesting... We see Adam Warlock do something here that's not really explicitly mentioned in this series. You're sort of given the impression that each of these six gems alone controls some sort of aspect of the universe. And if you have all of them, you basically control the entire universe because you have control over all of these six different aspects. But it's more than that. There's a synergy between the gems actually in this case the sum of the whole is greater than the sum of the parts and they work together to give even more power and so from the soul gem Adam Warlock from Soul World Adam Warlock takes control of the soul gem again to sort of off, uh, to throw off the balance of the infinity gauntlet and it causes this sort of a feedback loop causing Nebula to drop the gauntlet and if you look again at the uh, the little handout that comes uh, for the new Infinity series, it actually describes how the uh, gems actually sort of uh, work with each other to create greater power. And so when you... They've, they've drawn it in this nice Infinity symbol where one gem affects another gem, which affects another gem in a circular loop. So then when you have all six together... It, it just gets more and more powerful and it keeps on building and building. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Well, there we have it. This is the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, any last thoughts? How do you uh, feel after we've gone through all of these issues here? Any new insights? Yeah, I think I don't know if we can speak about it, of if we save it from uh, later podcasts. But uh, you see, uh, Adam Warlock seems quite calm at the end of the series. But he, when you see, uh, let me take this. When you see the beginning of Infinity Walk, and especially. Uh, there was a tie-in to the, the end of Infinity uh, Gauntlet. 
was Doctor Strange. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's it's number thirty six, I think. Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry, iPad won't load up the comic. Yes, yeah, yes, yes thirty six. <laughs> you see that uh, Doctor Strange has to calm him down because he actually gets crazy by wielding so much power. Yeah, that's actually something that comes into play quite a bit, off and on again throughout the next throughout Infinity Watch and the next couple of series as well. He definitely struggles with that. Uh, but yeah, let's save that for another time. I think we should definitely get together again to uh, to talk about Infinity War um, and see where this story continues. I think that'd be fun. Just thinking about the the movie coming up, I don't know how they can do this story without Adam Warlock. He seems you know, a huge part of it. So. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure we're getting a Warlock and a Pip the Troll. Yeah. In yeah. Movie. And so in... Okay. Um, this is a two-part movie, and so I don't right, think that we'll right. see him in this one, but I'm pretty sure we'll see him in Avengers 4, because in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, we right, have, they set like, him up, yeah. We have that golden race, and we have the cocoon at the end, and I'm pretty sure that that is Adam Warlock. Yeah, I think so, too. But the thing is that we don't know, and we... we, we death is not part of the, uh, of the cinematic Marvel Universe, right. so it would be interesting to see how they give uh, an interest to Thanos and why Thanos is this uh, destruction force uh, if he's not uh, attached to death like he is in the comic book. Right. Yeah, I would be pretty disappointed if they just make him a mad tyrant that is power hungry and he doesn't get any deeper than that. I would kind of be upset about that because he's such a very complex character as, as evidenced in this book here. I suspect you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Um, except for Loki, Marvel has not put a lot of effort into fleshing out their villains. Yeah. Um, in, in any of the films, really, the villains have been the one uh, part that's been left under under serviced in the Marvel universe for the for the most part. And I imagine yeah. that will be the case here as well, especially with the ridiculous number of heroes they have to uh, work into this movie and yeah, right. origins they still have to establish. So. But the rumor has it that uh, maybe Silver Surfer is going to make an appearance in uh, Infinity War. We don't know yet. Maybe it's going to be Adam Warlock that's going to appear. So it's just rumors for now. We'll find out in a few weeks. Who who here is going on opening yeah. night? Well, definitely. Not me. <laughs> not you? Not no. Maybe opening. I'll be there on the Friday night. Uh, just quickly, because I know Tommy seems to be a fan of uh, trivia... The first appearance of Thanos in the Marvel movies, uh, Jim Starlin did not know about it until two days beforehand and had to scramble to get a ticket, apparently. <laughs> Thanos in the films. So I know you like trivia, so there's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Thanos is one shot turning to the camera. But I, I, I don't know if you... Uh, it's going to be another trivia section. Uh, I don't know if you've played the fighting game Marvel Super Heroes that was uh, released by Capcom at the time. Uh, oh, because yeah. in this game, yeah, you, you it, 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 yeah, it follows the the, the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. So we see some heroes that don't appear in the limited series. What's interesting is some of the endings. I'll talk uh, first with the one that literally appears on the on the book. If you end the game with Thanos, yeah, you have to use a cheat code. So you have to choose between two endings. In the uh, first ending, you can 
Kenos uh, can keep the power. So the final scene, you see him as Eternity as he, he appears on issue five. And on the second ending, you see him as the farmer as the ending uh, of the oh, wow. military. When he, well, yes, when we, he gives away the power. Whoa. And uh, there were two interesting endings uh, in this game. Uh, so of the 10 characters, uh, Spider-Man doesn't use the power. Iron Man uh, is tempted, but he gives away the gauntlet. Uh, Captain America uh, banishes the gems in the black hole. Uh, Hulk is, in, is not interested. Uh, Psylocke and Wolverine also are not interested. Uh, Juggernaut tries to get to the the Infinity Gauntlet, but Adam Warlock picks him, uh, picks the Gauntlet before him, and says, "Thank you, you've saved the universe." <laughs> so the most interesting endings are the ones with Magneto and uh, uh, Mephisto. There is also the ending with uh, Shumagorat, but it's just an ending when he gets power, he multiplies, he he gets bigger, and he conquers the universe. So the two interesting endings are with Magneto and uh, Mephi uh, not Mephisto, sorry, Black Hearts. Uh, so when Magneto gets the Infinity Gauntlet, he actually he creates a second moon for the Earth, and he, he calls it Avalon, and he, he makes it the heaven for the all the mutants so they can live there. Wow. And on Black Hearts ending. He gets the power and he kills he, uh, Mephisto, his father. And he's a Mephisto that does not look like the one that appears in the series, but a huge demon like uh, Malebolgia in Spawn, Spawn series. So he kills Mephisto and takes uh, and uh, he starts to rule the underworld. So I think it's the one of the two endings that were the most interesting and who. Follow somewhat the the idea be, be, uh, behind the limited series. Cool! Wow, that's awesome. You know, just as we were talking about um, Spider-Man's role in 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 this, I was thinking, this is only shortly after um, he loses his cosmic powers. So, ah, yeah. yeah. Like, True. what would this have been like if he had still had his cosmic powers? Would they still have used him, or would they have uh, discarded him in, tr in exchange for someone else? He certainly would have been more useful, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, he still wouldn't have been as useful as Namor. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, because who is as useful as Namor? I mean, really. In, in outer <laughs> space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, guys, we should wrap this up. This has been a great discussion. It was awesome to have everybody together in one spot. This is uh, this is very special, and I think we should definitely do this again. Maybe yeah. when the next yeah. Avengers movie comes out, we can do the next Infinity series. Cool. Okay, well, why don't we sign off here, and we will see everybody um, in our next episode. So, Tommy, we'll see you in, again in Avengers, which is coming out in... Uh, actually, the, our next episode will come out before this one comes out. Um, so we'll see you yeah. then. Jared will be talking about X-Men next, I believe. X-Men yep. Second Genesis. The second Genesis, yep. Yep. Frank will get you on for another um, episode of New Mutants. And yep. Eric, I think the next one coming up with you is Ant-Man. We're going to be talking about Ant-Man in time for the movie. And Craig, we'll see you again when we talk about Doctor Strange. Afterlife. Yeah, we just did a full episode uh, last week, so everyone go back, check that out. Yep, that one on we'll Thor. See Doctor Strange. And everybody, cross your fingers. I want some new Warriors uh, epic collections. Uh, so hopefully Marvel will have some of those eventually. For okay, us. yep. Maybe when the movie, if a movie ever comes out. 
<laughs> <laughs> Everybody say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.